In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Evening, Cleveland. It's a boring Sunday. There's nothing to do. We've got another week to wait for the Browns. I don't know what's going on, but I'm lucky to have, I think, the most passionate fan in the UK, or definitely the loudest fan that I've ever <laughs> known. It's Ooh. Daniel Ashtek from Ashtek? Uh, <laughs> Bristol. How Did are you? Fuck that up. <laughs> Mate, whenever I'm in the hippodrome, you're always the loudest guy uh, making the noise. You're the one always in fights. In my eyes, you're the most passionate. Well, you know, I've kind of bled Cleveland sports and Ohio sports since I was 16. Um, You know, I I got into the baseball first because I went, you know, I went to the Jake um, back in 2002. Um, So, yeah, you know, I, I, I bleed. Um, I bleed scarlet and gray as well as blue red of the Indians and the the orange and brown of the Browns, you know, and the wine and gold of the Cavaliers. So, yeah, I get, I get the Browns, I get the Indians, but why Ohio State? Well, Ohio State. I mean, you know, I, I, I love football, um, and so I, I wanted, I wanted something to watch on Saturdays because I'm not as into soccer as as most UK people. I kind of, as soon as I started getting into American sports, because there's you know, four of them, because I loosely follow the hockey, the, the Blue Jackets as well. I wanted something to do on my Saturdays. So I got into the college game. Um, and it's just, it's been building up more and more. Like, uh, I used to just watch it um, kind of more casually. You know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to name more than two players when I first started um, watching Ohio State. But now, I mean, um, especially with how complete and how dominant this team is now, it's, it's hard not to get so excited. I mean, last season was great. Obviously, the, pre- the last two seasons, we've had the really um, kind of outlier losses with, uh, with Iowa and that kind of, um, kind of ruined our chances at the college football playoff. But um, I just feel like we're the best team in the country right now. I'm, I'm getting swept up in um, Buckeye fever, um, especially this year. Um, and it's Ohio. I love Ohio. I've been to Columbus. Um, love the fans. The fans are great. We've got our own Ohio State bar in London. When I used to live there, I used to go there every Saturday. It's great for the uh, the Michigan game as well, which sadly I'm going to miss. But yeah, no, it's anything Ohio, I love it. Mate, I didn't really enjoy Ohio State. I thought it was. Uh, mate, I enjoyed the day. Let's get it. Let's get this correct. I enjoyed this, the day. It was a great day. I went to uh, all the pre stuff, and. I enjoyed it, but it, it just wasn't my heart in it. It just, um, it felt like it was too easy win. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I understand because there's a lot more teams in, in Division One college football. So that there are going to be a lot of weak teams that you're playing in the schedule. And it's going to be, I mean, we, we beat Maryland, what, 73 to seven, I think, a week ago. And I can, you know, I can understand that. But we got Penn State and Michigan coming up. It, it, I, I guarantee those two games will be entertaining even though I still think we're going to dominate those two um but it'll at least be a bit more 
uh, a bit more or a bit closer maybe but um i still thoroughly expect us to to dominate those two games but no, I, I can i can see what you mean now yeah we're a browns podcast not, uh, yeah. not a uh, buckeye podcast but anyway no. so, um but yeah what what made you just go for the browns like you could support any team being in bristol in london well um because I, I had distant relatives in Cleveland, which is why I went, when I was 16 after I left school. Um, and my relatives at the time, they live in Solon um, in Ohio, so not too far from Columbus. Um, and they asked me, I, you're here for three weeks. Is, is there anything you particularly want to do? And we were, we were there in July, so middle of baseball season. I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go see a baseball game. Um, I happened to get, I happened to be lucky enough to get um, tickets when we were playing the Diamondbacks, who were the world, world champions at the time. Um, I think the game I went to, um, I didn't really understand baseball that well. So me and my grandfather, who I went with and who I was living with at the time, we didn't fully understand what was going on. Um, but I, I do remember Jim Tomey hitting a home run and it was a really good, it was just really fun. It's, it's almost like cricket, but shorter. You yeah. know, cricket's like a day out with, with your friends or, or with family. You know, you can drink. It's a whole experience. Um, and I just loved it. I just fell in love with it. The Americans know how to do big you know, do things big and exciting. I got swept up in it. And then obviously the next season in basketball, we drafted LeBron. So I heard all the hype around him. Um, so I thought, yeah, I'm going to stick with, um, going to stick with uh, Cleveland. Although I was, a, I did follow the end of the previous season. Um, so yeah, I got into the Cavaliers. Obviously 2016 was great. Um, and then I kind of got, on th- I think I became a fully fledged Browns fan in 2004 when we had the 10 and six season with, um, Derek Anderson um, and it was but football was always kind of third best up until maybe about 2010 2011 where I started really it, it started forging ahead of basketball mainly because we lost LeBron um, I mean it's always going to be second fiddle to um, the Indians for me because that you know baseball was my first love uh, you should have seen me in 2016 screaming in the faces of Cubs fans in Game 7. Rajay Davis' home run was an unbelievable top moment in my Cleveland fandom, even though we ended up losing the game. But, but yeah, I, I think it's because I have that connection with Ohio and Cleveland, with family. That's why I've, I've stuck with Cleveland through all the sports. Um, and I always will, even, even if you know, London ends up getting an NFL team. I'll, just like you, I'll always stay true to, true to Cleveland. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I... I think a lot of American fans, I always say this, don't really understand that once you're loyal to a team in the UK, you're going to stay with them. And uh, yeah. I did have a little bit of uh, backlash from uh, the NFL UK website was that I think something like 60% of people would support the London team as their second team. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I wouldn't, but that's just the way I am. But yeah. Well, I d- it, 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 it'll be nice to have regular NFL games to go to. I mean, I'd certainly go to the stadium to watch a few games um, every season. Um, hopefully it'll be, uh, excuse me, hopefully, um, I mean, you can gar- almost guarantee that the Brown- you're going to see the Browns once every four years, at least, depending on which team comes over. Um, so there's, there's that good, good element to it. But like you said, yeah, we're, we're, you and I, we're always going to bleed orange and brown. Um, doesn't matter if we get a, a franchise in London. Doesn't matter how well that franchise does compared to the Browns. Um, they're always going to be. Um, they're always going to be our team. How can uh, 
any of the Browns community uh, know you? Because uh, I know you spent some time with Joel Batonio, and I heard something about the Washington Post, was it? A Washington Post, yeah. So um, during the whole um, fanfare of when the Browns came over to London in 2017 um, to play the Vikings, um, the Browns wanted to do a lot of promo with uh, British fans. Um, Kelly and obviously the Browns Brackers group in the UK were very instrumental in getting um, getting us involved um, and and kind of liaising with the Browns organization. Um, so um, we got invited to do a bit of a promo um, at the Hippodrome Casino, obviously, which is NFL central for um, UK-based fans. Um, and yeah, we were asked a few questions. Uh, we knew we were getting interviewed. And then um, the lady who kind of handles their PR said, um, yeah, I'm just going to invite um, Joel over to conduct the interview. And I, I had a feeling that it was going to be Joel Petonio because I knew he was in doing other um, promotional stuff with the NFL as a whole that isn't, wasn't just Brown specific. And my face was kind of lit up when she said Joel because I knew it was going to be a surprise. And I saw him and I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe he's 22 years old as well. He's fucking huge. I'm 20, I was 20, what, 28, 29 at the time? And this, he's this huge bear of a man. Um, absolutely gentle giant, beautiful, lovely guy. Really, really excited to be um, in the presence of a couple of um, couple of UK-based fans. Obviously, Kelly's from the US, so um, she's more familiar with Cleveland. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience. He signed uh, a jersey for us, which is still a proud possession. Um, and yeah, the Washington Post thing. This was um, this is probably also in 2017, I think. But it was when a group of the Browns players um, took a knee during the height of the whole Colin Kaepernick um, protesting against their police brutality and racial pro- profiling. Um, and I think I was very vocal on t- Twitter, which is how this particular journalist found me. And so she, um, she called me up and we did a, a brief like 10 minute interview on my thoughts um, on not just the um, political and social issue as a whole, but um, my uh, thoughts on the Browns um, players getting involved. And obviously I put forth my, my two cents. Uh, and yeah, they, they, they published my, uh, my opinion in an article in the Washington Post. So, so yeah, that was great. Um, of course, um, we both remember that Saturday before the Browns game in London, um, where we got to meet um, the GOAT, Jim Brown, and Hanford Dixon, the original dog, um, the Haslands. So that was a great experience for all involved um, as well. So they'll probably know me from that. Any London-based fans will know me from Barking as well. So You don't realise how lucky we are because I go out to Cleveland and I say I've met all these people and they're like, I've been a fan 30 years. I've never met anyone, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you think about it, the Haslam's, being in a pub pouring pints, I've, yeah. done quite a, I've done quite a few road games at the moment, and you may get one alumni, but you hardly get anything on the the night before a, a Browns game. And uh, yeah, have when I tell people the Haslam's were in a pub for an hour, hour and a half <laughs> pulling pints, they still don't believe me. But um, yeah, it's a true story. <laughs> really? What's your views on uh, Colin at the moment? Because uh, he's caused a bit of stir in the media at the moment. Um, I, you know, I, I still, I still think there's, um, there's, he's been blackballed um, by the NFL and NFL teams. I, I think, um, I think the whole NFL workout is a big sham. They're just trying to, they're trying to kind of absolve themselves of any guilt by saying, "Hey, we 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 gave him a chance. We gave him this workout. We organised this." Um, teams still don't want it. You know, they're just trying to get any guilt or any kind of blame away from themselves by holding this workout. 
by all accounts that I've read recently, he he looked great. Um, considering he hasn't played for three years, he's kept himself in great shape. The arm strength was there. Um, a lot. Uh, I think a couple of NFL execs anonymously um, have said he looked great. Um, he hasn't missed a beat. Still got you know, still quick on his feet. Great arm strength. Great accuracy. I do think a team will will pick him up or at least sign to a practice squad. But I'd be really surprised if he if he plays an NFL snap just because I think a lot of franchises fear the backlash from a certain percentage of fans who are still a bit bitter or, or don't quite understand fully why Colin's doing this and still have that kind of um, perspective that it's he's being un-American and anti-American, which isn't what it is, um, as, a, as most of us reasoned um, fans know. But I'm behind him all the way. Um, and I hope I hope he gets his opportunity because it was never about his footballing abilities. It was always about the, the, the kind of politics behind his his decision to kneel or, or you know or stay in the locker room during the introductions. So hopefully he'll get the two teams I got heard were like Lions and Panthers, maybe Lions and Panthers. I I actually think that what makes sense for me I think would either be the Bears or the Broncos. Um, obviously, the Bears aren't sold on Trubisky, although he had a decent, decent showing last week. Um, let's see how he does against the Rams um, today. Um, but the, the, they, they were the go-to that I thought. Um, Panthers, I guess it makes sense. I mean, Cam Newton's out for the season. There's rumours swirling that they might end up trading him. Um, so I, I, I could see it there. But it sounds like Collins just happy if he gets a job anywhere. Um, so all, all that kind of rumor that, oh no, he doesn't want to play. He's demanding millions and millions is obviously all, all, all crap. Um, but I if he goes on the practice job. squad, it's going to get half a million, right? Yeah. I mean, as long as, long as someone, as long as someone signs, I'd love to see him play in the NFL. I'd love to see him show all the doubt is wrong. All those people who are trying to say that it's all the decisions based on footballing reasons that he, you know, he can't play anymore, which is obviously a load of crap. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, the workout was only yesterday and teams are obviously focusing on the games this weekend. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see him, um, we'll see him signed um, before the end of the week. Did you hear that Hugh Jackson was the designated... Uh, I did. I did hear that. There's, NFL, someone, there's uh, someone else trying to showcase for a job. Yeah. That's the only reason he did that. It's not the Hugh Jackson show. I know, exactly. He, he got... He got told a couple of hours before he's he's not needed anymore. Went back to the airport. Poor lad. <laughs> he's not needed anywhere. So, what, what's your views on the Browns at the moment? Can we go ten and six? Um, you know, I th- I I think we certainly can. The the schedule's there for us to do that. Obviously, I wouldn't have with how Lamar Jackson was playing before we obviously went into Baltimore and uh, and dominated. I would have never said that we'd been able to do the double over the Ravens. But the second game's at home. Of course, we play, we got more wins on the road than we do at home. Or the second, I think we're just about even um, holding, uh, Roman home, road and home. Um, that's the only one that I think we can trip up in. However, there's some added, in two weeks, there's that added fire that's been added to the Pittsburgh game. So going into Heinz Field uh, with all that emotion, um, you know, I think Mason Rudolph's a bag. He's 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 terrible. I think he's a terrible quarterback. He's he proved that last uh, on Thursday, um, but I think that could trip us up. 
Um, but aside from the other, aside from that, I mean, we've got two games against the Bengals. We still haven't won a game. We've got the Cardinals. Uh, we should win that. Um, I actually, I'm a little bit concerned about the Dolphins just because we're going to miss three out of our starting four on on the defensive line. Um, more, uh, Morgan Burnett's going to be out. Um, I think we got um, Randall's going to be suspended for that game as well for the helmet to helmet. So we're going to be weak. We're going to be very thin on defense. I think our offense needs to step up in that game. But it, you know, it is the Dolphins, although they have won two games in a row now. I think exactly, mate. Um, so I think Did that Dolphins game is not a guaranteed win. No, way. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's not a mic. It, it should. It should be. I mean, we've been so reliant on our defense this season, keeping us in games when the offense is stuttered. Um, but I think this needs to be a game where the offense steps up um, and pulls the lion's share of, of the workload for a defense that's um, hurting on injuries and hurting with suspensions. It's going, it's going to be thin on the ground. So um, the offense really needs to uh, make a big impact in that game. Mate, so where were you watching the Brown Steelers game? Um, so um, I, I'd fallen asleep earlier in the evening and then I, I think I woke up for the second half. Um, which is obviously a great, it was a great, a great time to actually wake up because, you know, there was a lot more action in that game, um, both good and bad. Um, but it, obviously it was a great win. It was, it was good to do um, what we did on defense. The defense was great, really smothered the, the Steelers. Um, the offense did as much as it needed to do to get the win. Um, obviously, it was it was clouded over with the whole Miles Garrett incident. Um, but I I'm still burning up and fuming that Mason Rudolph did not get his comeuppance, being the instigator in that whole situation. I mean, tries to tear off the helmet. He's got fucking weak noodle arms, so he couldn't do it. He gives him the Draymond Green treatment by kicking him in the groin, which is what obviously what sets Miles off and rips the helmet off off him. Um, and he's still charging at him like some rabid dog. And Miles Garrett, you know, it's okay. I, I get that it's a it's a defensive end against the quarterback. You know, Miles Garrett's a huge guy, but I feel there's some element of kind of self defense there where you've got you've already got. Um, What's his name? D. Uh, D. Ducardi, whatever his name is, who was holding him back, and then you've got uh, Mason Rudolph charging at him like a like an absolute whatever gremlin that he is. And even though it's inexcusable, I just, I can't see how Mason Rudolph hasn't been held accountable. His press conference as well. Like, at least with Miles Garrett, you know, he was apologetic. He was embarrassed. He took ownership of what he did. Mason Rudolph didn't do that. He just started saying, "Oh yeah, Miles Garrett's cowardly. It was bush league." I'm just like, God, take ownership. You know, you instigated this. You riled this big guy. You know how emotional and how emotionally charged these games can be. And I just think he's a bit of a worm. And I can't wait for Oak and Joby to sit on him in two weeks' time um, <laughs> and give him the punishment that the NFL should have. In fact, actually, I don't know if do you watch Pardon the Interruption with Mike Wilborn and Tony Kornheiser. <coughs> yeah. Mike Wilborn summed it up perfectly. He said, you know, the NFL, can, they can't get anything 100% right. They got everything right with the suspensions for Ogunjobi, for Pouncey, for Miles Garrett, but not giving uh, Mason Rudolph a suspension is just plain stupid and just proves that the NFL just cannot do anything right. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just really fuming about that. And I know Browns fans are. I mean, you've seen the memes and, uh, and stuff like that. And I just can't. I, I'm, yeah, really upset about that. But hopefully we'll, um, we'll punish the Steelers. 
and we'll punish Mason Rudolph in two weeks' time. Yeah, my view on it is Mason's so weak, he couldn't get the helmet off. No, yeah, exactly. He, should, he shouldn't have been charged because he didn't do nothing. So, uh, <laughs> enough, you know, but uh, yeah, he instigated it and Miles finished it off. You know, that's why yeah. that's why he's been suspended. So, But I don't know about, I don't know how you feel, but Miles Garrett, I mean, he was, he was probably the last person I would have thought of to, to, have, to have that kind of behaviour on the field. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, he has a history of this because he's been fined in the past for, you know, his two late hits on Simeon and, and for a couple of helmets to helmets. But that's, that's just, that's just uh, you know, a football player, you know, a defensive end whose job it is to get, get into the backfield to you know, cause havoc, just um, playing passionately and playing fiercely in what is a violent game. He's never been someone like um, Vontae's perfect, who's who has a history of, you know, headhunting and you know, being really violent and unjustifiable on-field antics. Uh, the same with James Harrison, who has that reputation of, you know, helmet to helmet and targeting and everything. Miles Davis, Miles Davis, Miles um, Garrett has never been like that. He's never been like that. Even though he has, he's been, you know, he's had some suspensions from from time to time. That's just the NFL protecting its QBs. Um, I think that's just a complete false argument to say that he has a history of this kind of violent conduct. Because um, to, to us Browns fans, we know he's he's a guy who's always smiling, he's gentle, and he talks about dinosaurs all the time. I mean, you know, he's a lovely... He was the last one I thought would do this. But I'm really disappointed. I've, I've had him on a podcast and he's like... Oh, I had a 45-minute chat with him. Yeah. Other Browns fans. He is so mellow. It's unbelievable. It was the day after yeah. he got punched in the face by fans. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I think like you got there's three guys around him. It was self-defense, you know. If you got three guys coming on to you, you're gonna do anything you possibly can to mm. get away from that situation. The whistle blown and there's three people attacking you, you are defending yeah. yourself. But yeah, obviously kids are watching it, NFL can't have it happening ever again. Yeah. He has to get the suspension. I get that. And I, and I think he's lucky he hit him with the part of the helmet that he did and not the crown of that, that helmet. Because we could have been talking about a wholly different thing. We could be talking about criminal charges. We could have talk, talked about Mason Rudolph with the concussion or worse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are two ways to look at it. But um, um, you know, I, I think you've got to judge it in real time. I mean, you know, when NFL was handed down these suspensions, they had plenty of time to review it, look at the film over and over again. But you've got to judge these things within the context of it happening in real time in that moment when temperaments are up, passions are up, adrenaline's up. Um, and I think you've got to take that into consideration. So I'm, at, I'm absolutely fine that with Miles missing the rest of the season. I don't think it should carry over into the next season. I think he'll carry himself really well in his um, one-to-one meeting with, uh, with Goodell. Um, so hopefully it will just be this season and hopefully the Browns can still um, cope without him and looking at it glass half full it, you know it gives gives one of the young kids a, an opportunity to showcase their talent Chad um, Thomas yeah. Chad Thomas is time to shine go. there you go there's one thing though and you're not really a, a soccer fan but at least Mason Rudolph didn't go down like a dive or a that's, yeah that's true he didn't roll around on the floor for hours like he's just been knocked out he got he got hit and he went again so uh, yeah that was nice to see. Yeah. All right, great, mate. It's been absolutely amazing uh, speaking with you. What's uh, so? What is your final prediction for the Browns? Uh, I'd like to say they can run the table. 
and finish 10 and 6. I do think they're going to... I. I do think that they're either that they're either going to lose that um, that second uh, Baltimore game, or possibly um, with the suspensions and how thin they are, um, both in the front seven and in the secondary. Um, I think Miami, with a little bit of momentum that they've got as well, I think there's a possibility they're going to slip on up on that. Even though we are at home and Miami are trash. I think just with I, I think we're just we're too depleted in that defense, and the offense is going to have to have have to have the best game of its season um, in order to overcome um, and overcome that. But um, but yeah, I'm going to say nine and seven. Um, I'd love to see us go um, ten and six, but I think <coughs> Miami, that Miami or Ravens game could be a, a potential banana skin for us. And last last question, Freddie Kitchens, is he safe in your eyes or not? Yeah, I, I love the guy and I love the personality and I love what I, I love his impact that he had in the second half of last season. Um, but I just don't see how how he can survive. Um, he came in with no even coordinator experience, um, and he's got to manage a lot of veterans. A lot, you know, there, there are some veterans on that team. You know, there's, there's Landry. There's um, there's obviously J.C. Treader, there's Petonio, there's Odell Beckham. You know, some big personalities to manage. Don't think he's managed it well. Um, it, that demonstrates itself in how undisciplined the team has been with the penalties um, and suspensions. Um, I don't think he's going to last. I think I think he should have been given. I think the Browns should have hired an offensive coordinator as well as a head coach. Put um, maybe put Freddie Kitchens as offensive coordinator. But then again. His offensive play calling has been called into question this season as well. So that probably might have um, fallen by the wayside as well. But I, I can't see him surviving this unless we finished with a winning record. We have to finish nine and seven. I mean, he has to give, um, he has to give John Dorsey a, a reason to keep him. And he has to have a strong second season. I think that's the only way um, he recovers. Um, because he's got so much talent, the Browns have to use it before, you know, Baker and Miles Garrett, it's time to, you know, sign these guys up to long-term contracts. We need to make use of their talent now. And we can't waste another season by keeping Freddie Kitchens if we don't see any improvement. I think you'd agree. Yeah. It's a tough one because I've met him a couple of times and obviously, like you said, we want him to succeed, but the Browns do need a win now or in the next two years. Yeah. And uh, do we just cut all uh, ties and just go for it and get a uh, experienced coach in? Could be worse, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we definitely finished higher than we did last year. Maybe eight and eight, nine and six, maybe ten and sorry, nine and uh, five, ten and six. But uh, let's see. Eh? But where can people find your details, mate? Um, yeah, so you can find me um, on Twitter uh, at Daniel Answer Twenty Five. Um, and on Facebook, um, Daniel Armani Adsev. There you go. Is he? I'm a, not as I'm not as old fade with the social media like you. I'm afraid I haven't had the that kind of success. Is the is I don't the Hall of Famers on my podcast? Is the Armani uh, the uh, modeling and the? Uh... Oh God, you're going to bring that up? Uh, I think it was 
I think I changed it when I was 19 and Facebook won't let me change it back. So <laughs> I, I, and, yeah, I get a lot of heat for that. But yeah. where, you, where are your roots from? Um, Manchester, I get from the north. I've, I've kind of moved around a lot. Um, moved that surname doesn't lot. sound like a local uh, Manchester name. It actually, it actually originates from Cheshire, so it's from the northwest. Yeah, um, like 16th, 15th century, I think. So there's a lot in Cheshire, there's a lot in North Wales. So it is an English name, but, um, but yeah, it is an odd one. All right, buddy. I want you to finish up with one of your trademark barks as if you are in the Hippodrome. All right, buddy. Really nice speaking to you. I look forward yeah, to you. Yeah, you too. Cheers, mate.